Welcome to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George. Deacon Bear. Hey. In studio. <laughs> is, that, is that what a bear sounds like? I have no idea. I, I'm pretty sure like if you see a bear, you should run. Now, most people, I don't know if you know this, there's different types of bears. I did. I heard, I heard about like that. There's like grizzly bears, polar bears. There brown are bears. brown bears and black bears. Black bears. Now, we actually have black bears in Louisiana. Um, we have a good amount of them, actually. I'm in, surprised in I've never seen one. Mm-hmm. Well, they're in the woods. Because I hear so many. Well, sometimes they aren't. Like, sometimes I hear so many stories. Aren't. You've heard these stories. Yeah. They're more kind of. So, there, there's, a, there's a whole, like, federal wildlife refuge that, mm-hmm. you know, they, they are protecting the brown bear. You know, you can't hunt them down here. You can't mm-hmm. kill them, nor should you ever. Yeah. Because they're, they're rare. Rare yeah. bear. Rare bears. Yeah. If you care about the rare bears, don't you dare. But the truth is, is that in the last four or five shows, how much have we talked about bears? It's been like the craziest thing. <laughs> it's been funny. Uh, but anyway, welcome everyone to the show. Glad you're a part of the show on the podcast, wherever you're listening or on the radio here in Acadiana, KLFT, uh, Christ Our King Radio, um, Catholic Radio here. Uh, great, man. Like, here's the thing. Like, we're about to enter into Lent. You know, we're... We're the Friday before Ash Wednesday, right? So we have, you know, just a few days to, you know, think about, you know, what's going to be our Lenten fast and penance and, and giving and, and how we're going to approach Lent. You know, this Sunday you're going to hear a reading where, where it's the last reading before the, the Lenten readings, right? Mm-hmm. Or an time reading. But, but Jesus, the last few weeks has just been, you know, hammering with some amazing amazing words, right? Yeah. So it's all set up to punt us into Lent. And then, of course, if you live in Louisiana, you get 100%, without a doubt, completely distracted from Lent. Right before. Right before. Mm-hmm. Right? Like Mardi Gras happens, there's parades. Like, no one thinks about it. It's crazy. You know, like, uh, and if you don't live in South Louisiana or along the coast where Mardi Gras uh, is huge, right? Uh, which is, you know, Fat Tuesday, the whole feast before the fast, right? Mm-hmm. Like this whole celebration, right? Which is Catholic tradition has blown into, uh, in some ways, like if we just admit to it, a lot of distraction. Yeah. So a lot of good Catholics get into Ash Wednesday on Lent and they're like, oh, what just happened? Yeah. It's Lent. You know, I've been in carnival season completely distracted. Yeah, and this is not a judgmental statement, more like an examination of conscience. Kind for of me, too. For all like of us. A, yeah, like it's, but, it's a real thing. But we're, we're more likely to have everything prepared for Mardi Gras, mm-hmm. like everything ready to roll, the food, roll, the alcohol, the teams, the plan, Les the parades we're going to, all of it, than we are to be ready for Lent before like the second week of Lent. Right, and all good <laughs> intentions, we kind of stumble into Lent, and we're like, right. oh, it's Ash Wednesday, I'm getting my ashes, oh, what am I even doing for Lent? And then it's, you know, it's not till the second week of Lent that we're like, and I, and I throw myself in here at times, saying yeah. like, what am I going to do? And I guess what I'm saying is, it's almost harder down here, because of all that, to be more intentional about approaching Lent ahead of time. Like, what... W- what am I going to do? How am I approaching it? What does God want me to do for Lent? You know, instead of just sliding in and be like, oh, I'm giving up chocolate. Uh, you know, like mm-hmm. just a last resort, you know, Hail Mary ditch effort. 
but really kind of coming into Lent with some intention. I don't know. Like, I'm just thinking about it yeah. for, for even myself, right? Oh, yeah, totally. So, Again, this is a not judgment. That's just examination of conscience for me. That uh, And I guess part of that is it's, it's easier to plan a one-day thing. But Mardi Gras has become more than a one-day thing. We have a whole season. By far. It's called carnival season. Yeah. And it and it begins in January. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So anyway, uh, so, you know, Mardi Gras can be a great time for people and a great celebration, you mm-hmm. know, but it, it shouldn't be a distraction from, you know, moving into Lent. In fact, so like, you can only do Mardi Gras right if you're going to get rid of all those things you're not going to enjoy during Lent. That was the whole point of Mardi Gras was like, okay, well, we're fasting soon, so we need to get all of our meat out, so let's eat it all. We need to get... So instead of throwing this to waste, the stuff we have, let's just... Celebrate. Celebrate and eat it all. Get rid of all of our... So we don't have it during Lent. That's right. So, you know, if you don't know what you're doing during Lent, you can't really do Mardi Gras well. Like, if you don't have that plan in mind, you can't be like, all right, I'm purging my life of everything that is in the way of Lent. Like, that should be Mardi Gras. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay, uh, so does the bear have a have you seen? Yes, I do. I used the wrong music just now. <laughs> but we're going to make it work. Have you seen this? <laughs> that was that was so so spontaneous. Yeah. Um this is wild. You totally clicked the wrong song. Yeah, I did. But we made it work, you know. Um and you just went with it. That's what you got to do in life. You can't look back. No. You can't be like, okay, this is a wild story. Okay. It happened in on February 6th. So like just happened. Okay. A woman, uh, some of this is going to seem really sad, and so I don't want to disrespect the sadness of this. But a woman was declared uh, dead at a nursing home where she aged uh, 82, had been living for some time, and was ill. You know? Okay. And so she was found to be dead, declared dead by the nursing home staff. Um, and in the UK, I guess, you know, like in America, this seems so far-fetched because there's such a delay between, let's say, a person being declared dead and then being at the funeral home. Like there's probably a two a day or something. Like yeah. there, there's some processes in between. But apparently with the nursing home, there's like a fast track. I don't know. They go right to the funeral home with the body. There's just an assumption that you're dead. We right. just assume you're dead if you're not moving. Well, uh, about three hours after arriving at the funeral home, um, someone working there noticed, wait, she's breathing. Oh. Turns out she wasn't dead. She's, and she's laying at the funeral home. She's laying at the funeral Not like out at a wake, but like, you know, the body gets to the funeral home. Yeah. She's in where all the dead bodies are, and they start to work on the body, right? Like you start to embalm or whatever. <laughs> they're like, wait, this, this woman's alive. And she was, in fact, alive. Um, she was not dead. And so she was taken to the hospital where uh, I don't think she's dead yet. Like, I think she's still alive since February 6th. So if you're old and this is happening to you, are you happy or sad? Like, you're like, man, I was almost to heaven. And then I realized that... Uh, I'm, I'm not dead. Yeah. You know? And the sad part about it, like in some way, shape or form is that she's going back to this nursing home, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like it, 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 you know, we were having this conversation not long ago where like, like when nursing homes didn't exist, like families just took care of 
the elderly, right? right. And you just right. took care of, and, and it would just constantly generation after generation, you just took care of your people, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know what's happened. I, I don't know the whole story there, you know, but it it has become a culture where if old people don't add value to society, we mm-hmm. don't need them. And, you know, when we talk about pro-life, like really life, like and, and we say words like from the womb to the tomb, we mean that. Mm-hmm. Like that everyone has value, every human life, every race has dignity, all of it. Like like we can't pick and choose what that is, you know? And, you know, this past January, like it's pro-life month, you know, we, we really reflect on that. But like, you know, this, this woman is just going to go back to a nursing home and kind of wish, you know, I don't know what's going through her mind, if she's happy and sad about it, but I don't know. I'm trying to think what I would be. I'd be like, dang it, man. Like I was almost there, you know, like, like, uh, you know, you know, if you're a person of hope, yeah, I think that, uh, that would be, but here's the tie in. And I know you're like, let's tie it in. Let's tie it in is Lent is approaching Mm -hmm. and the reality of Lent. Like if you want to have a hard conversation, um, like if you want to just listen to a fluffy podcast, then there's others. But if you want to have a tough conversation, the reality is that in Lent, we are asked to look at things in our life with the grace of Jesus Christ, of what things should die. Mm-hmm. What things should we lay to, to rest and should, should be gone in our life? What attitudes, what behaviors, what patterns, what negativities, what lack of disciplines, what things need to die so that at the end of Lent, when Easter comes and there is a true resurrection, that it's not just a resurrection of Christ, but a resurrection of new life in us, right? That That is the journey of Lent. I got to look through the lens of Lent, and I got to peek through, and all the distractions of Mardi Gras coming up, and I got to peek through, and I got to begin to evaluate and, and pray and say, Lord, what do you want to put to rest, to die in me, so that at the end of Lent, at Easter, I can rise to new life. Speaking of hard conversations, I think this analogy of this probably very lovely woman, I don't mean to disrespect I'd love the to serious situation. I'd love to meet this love woman. love to meet her. Um, but by the analogy of this, we, we have things that we kind of declare dead and move on really quick, but then they're not actually dead. You know, sins, vices... Uh, attachments, selfishnesses. Um, is that where selfishness is? Yeah, it can be. Um, we have these things, and then we, you know, read a read a chapter of a book or hear a podcast or something like that, and we're like, "Yeah, I'm gonna work on that today," and then like move on. But some things you really gotta sit with for a while and work on it for mm-hmm. a while, mm-hmm. and that's not unusual or uncommon or even bad. That's actually the spiritual life. The spiritual life with Jesus is sitting with grandma long enough to make sure she's actually died before you send her to the funeral home. <laughs> you have to sit with your yourself, your stuff. You have oh, to that's face good. it. Oh, man. And you're, actually deal with it. You're doing a little PG here. <laughs> and actually deal with it and not move on, right? Mm-hmm. Like until it's dealt with and healed and fixed. And, and, uh, and that is the spiritual life. Yep. And so Lent 
you know, we can we can do a lot of many things in Lent and just move on from week to week to week to week and say, we accomplished Lent. But I mean, the truth is right now, there's something about me that God doesn't like right now. Right. Like he's not a fan of some things I'm attached to, some mm-hmm. things I do, some the way I treat people in certain ways. He's not a big fan of it. And I need to let him tell me that. I need right. to let him tell me that and sit with it until I can change and please him. Mm. Amen. I mean, I think it's good to have that self-awareness because, you know, over the course of time, you know, weeds grow in our life. I mean, it, it just happens, right? You know, we, we're, we're focused and gardening in one spot and there's fruit. And then before we know it, like maybe there's weeds growing in another. And it doesn't always have to be these major sins or like dysfunctions. And it, it, it may be, but it could be little things that have creeped in, little habits and attitudes and lacks of discipline. Maybe my prayer life has slipped away. Maybe, you know, I'm, I'm drinking or eating too much. Maybe I'm not taking care of my body. Uh, maybe mentally I'm, I'm dealing with more anxiety and stress than ever. You know, like these little habits creep back in. And before we know it, like it's affecting other parts of our life. And I think if we're really, really, really honest about that, and we approach Lent with this attitude of not self-hatred, but like, Lord, uh, what do you want through your grace to, to work on in me so that I, I can love you and myself more, right? Because mm-hmm. that's what God wants. God wants our freedom. God wants for us to live in that way, you know? But it's okay to, for me to look in the mirror and, and, and make a good self-assessment. You know, when we do these grit groups with these guys, there's intentionality, right? Like there's intentionality of like, how do you want to grow? How do I want to grow? Mentally, physically, emotionally, but ultimately like spiritually, being the, the, the grace catapult that moves you forward, like working on that. And, the, and there's, you know, like four simple questions before we ever start. How do you evaluate and what do you want to grow in? So you, you kind of go through these list of questions. I do it all the time because mm-hmm. it's like I, I need to reevaluate where weeds have started growing, where I've just, you know, haven't paid attention. And and that's a good start as we approach Lent is like that's kind of intentionality isn't isn't <clears throat> this idea. It it's it's looking at things before they start. You know, yeah. That's intentionality. Like it it it's kind of making some some decisions before you begin uh and yeah enjoy mardi gras and have fun in festival season or um you know feast for you know fat tuesday all those things but don't stumble into lent Mm -hmm. with no idea on how you want to grow right yeah well like you started the uh conversation with the gospel is death and resurrection. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus becomes our life. We live and die to self and rise with Christ. That is the gospel. And you're going to get what you're looking for when it comes to the Lord. If you're looking for a way that I can die and rise again, then you will be living the gospel. Mm. But if you're not looking for that, like I'm not looking to grow, not looking to change behaviors, I'm not looking to become more like Christ, I'm not looking to put anything to death in my life at all, well, what are you looking for? Because it's not the gospel. Right. And this is what the saints teach us, like in your, your new book, Holy Grit. I mean, saintly people are not people that are done with the whole dying to self thing. Right. And let's just live in the joy of the resurrection now. They're people always looking 
for the mystery of Christ. That's right. Always looking for a death and resurrection. And here's the thing. You don't have to like Lent. Matter of fact, like, I don't like Lent. No. And I get, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like why would I like Lent? Like, Lent's hard. Like, Lent <laughs> makes me or calls me to do things that I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. So my nature is like, yeah, I don't want to do that. I don't like, I don't like Lent. That's good, right? Because mm-hmm. it's challenging me to enter into something that I don't like, to do hard things that ultimately are helping me to grow, right? We don't grow when we don't do hard things. Like, we don't. We don't yeah. grow emotionally when we don't have tough conversations or enter into emotional baggage or wounds like we don't grow when we don't face conversate conversations or con- we don't grow when we don't face things spiritually like we we don't move forward when we don't do hard things like we just are apathetic we're mediocre we just kind of sit and uh instead of you know life happening for us we just live in this idea that life is happening to us in this victimhood when so, as a christian we lose the meaning of of the word Christian, because as soon as I live one day outside of this death and resurrection pattern of Christ, the gospel has lost its meaning in my life. Right. I am no longer following the Lord. Hmm. Even one day. And we see this in scriptures, people that leave Jesus because his sayings are too hard. Right? If we don't follow the Lord, this is why Jesus says, Every day we take up the cross. Every day we take up the cross and follow him. Because even one day, the gospel loses its meaning if I'm no longer looking to convert, if I'm no longer to change today, if I'm no longer to put something in me that needs to die to death so I could rise with Christ, then I've turned the gospel into something else, and it doesn't have meaning in my life anymore. That's right. And that's a serious thing. And that's why Lent is so important every year, because I have to ask myself, how many days did I live like that the past 365? Can I do it for at least 40? Hmm. Can I at least for 40 days focus on that? That's yeah. right. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, I actually have a huge announcement when we come <gasps> back. You don't even know about it. That is huge. All right, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Healthcare that works better and costs less? Seems like an oxymoron, right? Take a minute and check out our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare. Members say that faith-based Health sharing is a much better fit than insurance, all while costing less. Prices start at $384 a month for families. Call now to see how much you can save. 844-387-8533. That's 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show, Paul George. Deacon Bear in studio. Great to be with you today. Thanks for listening in on the radio or on the podcast, wherever you are. We are great and excited to be with you. So grateful. Yeah. Heading into Mardi Gras on Lent. You know, before you know it, you'll listen to this show, and both of those things will happen before our next show. That's what's crazy. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Like, our next show will be, you know, in Lent. In Lent. But yet we'll experience... You know, Mardi Gras and we'll, we'll experience the last Sunday of Ordinary Time, Mardi Gras, and Ash Wednesday in the beginning of Lent, all between shows. What a week. I mean, that's crazy. It's a lot of spiritual movement. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> well, hopefully it changes us, right? I don't know. Hopefully next week. We're yeah, totally hopefully. Um, 
Hopefully, so I got a big announcement. Oh wow, uh, this is exciting! Before we get to uh, a really kind of Linton uh, weird Catholic stuff, which I'm sure you probably have, you know. Um, um, so here's here it is. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Um, so my book, Holy Grit, which we've been talking about, I got a pre-order of them like uh, already. So if, if you go on Amazon today, like it's you could still pre-order it, but like I have books in stock, so. You can actually get the book, Holy Grit, right? You can buy it, mail right it now. to you. Yeah. So it's easy. You just go to holygrit.org and then click book. Boom. And here's the awesome thing I'm super excited about, honestly, is that the book's for men. Mm-hmm. And uh, wives can read it. My wife's reading it now. She just got a copy because it came in the mail, and she's loving it, learning more about men by reading it. And probably a little bit about you. Yeah, and she's going <laughs> to give it to, like, you know, her brother or something like mm-hmm. like So learning more about me, uh, men, uh, it's for men. And uh, you, can, you can read it on your own or you can read it as a group. And then mm-hmm. there's a facilitator's guide for free that you can download on the website, holygrit.org. So you can purchase the book. You can purchase books for your group, get a facilitator guide. But it's out. I mean, it's been a long time coming. So that's it's exciting. It is exciting. <clears throat> when I read it in the context of the grit group I was in, so I got my book in, and I gave it to my teenager son, and I said, read this, we'll talk about it. And I can't wait. It'll yeah. be a really fun yeah. thing to, to talk with him He's going to hear some adult men language in there. Which Not is bad. Like, yeah, it's I prepped good. him for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's nothing like, you know, like a, um, a young adult or teenager can't read, but it's just parts of life they haven't lived yet. Right. Examples about marriage and fatherhood and yeah. those things, which as they look into the future, they're going to face. Right. Right. So they would read it through a lot through the lens of like, wow, that like, that's what a man down the road looks like or is dealing with. Well, what I appreciate about the book too, that I want my son to benefit from is, um, looking at masculine saints. Exactly. In a visceral, real masculine way. Mm -hmm. And having that experience of, you know, that context for your relationship with those saints. Because right. these are people that he knows. I mean, he knows St. Peter. He knows Padre Pio. He He's knows, heard of these saints, yes. Yeah, he knows them. But does he know that aspect of them, their grittiness, and like this, um, that that's part of their holiness? It's not separate to it, It's but it's actually intrinsic to their holiness is their grittiness. And that's what I can't... I mean, there's lots of aspects of the book, but to me that's one of the benefits of this book is that if you're a serious Catholic and you want a relationship with these people, um, this is a, a real big help, especially if you're a man. Yeah, which is, you know, really the, the sort of the golden thread theme throughout the book is these saints who lived these real lives and merged this idea of hard things, grittiness, right. with God's grace, and they they became the fullness of who they were. So. I went back and read the book, every chapter. So I got the physical book in the same, mm-hmm. you know, like, and I and I gave you a copy this week. Like, uh, so when you write a book, like it's been like eight or nine months since I wrote it. So <clears throat> I'm getting it. I'm like, I can't remember everything that I read. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I went back and read each chapter, not in one sitting, but in like, and I read each chapter and what, uh, and I'm reading it and I'm like fired up because I'm, rereading about these saints right and these quotes and their life like their life becomes real like wow they actually did that said that lived this out right and then i'll put examples from from 
other men I know or my own life in and out there. But like the real theme is like these saints are moving us along because their lives are real. They're, they're not mm. fictional characters, right? right? They're real people with real stories who live real lives. And a lot of what I did is I researched their life, not, not so much like their theological writings, but their mm. life and the way they lived. And the, the quotes came out of their life, right? And their desire. And it, and it just kind of builds. And, and I was reading about a couple of these saints and some of the things they said, and I was just like, man, that fires me up. Yeah. Gets me pumped up, you know? Yeah. So it was weird. I, I kind of read it through the lens of just a reader, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Yeah, it makes total sense. Okay. All right. So just holygrid.org. Really simple. Um, okay. Uh, approaching Lent, man. Uh, do you have a weird Catholic stuff? What? Yep. Why do Catholics do that? I don't know. Did you know that Catholics are weird? Yes. Everybody I knew that. says that. Weird things. Weird Catholic stuff. Um, you chose the right music. I did. I had to make up for that. Um, all right. So Ash Wednesday is soon to be upon us. Yeah, that's correct. And I'm pretty sure we've done this. I mean, we've been doing this show for five years, so I'm pretty sure we've done this exact weird Catholic stuff before. But it's still weird, and it's still worth talking about. But on Wednesday. People who literally don't go to church for any other reason are going to show up at a, a church and get dirt on their head. Dirt. Yep. It looks Sprinkled like dirt. on their head. With such a, such a zeal and enthusiasm that it, to be denied this dirt. The, even some ashes, people who don't even go to Mass. Correct. Or aren't even Catholic. Or aren't even Catholic. But the Catholic ones who like never go to anything, literally, not Christmas, not Easter, nothing are going to show up with such zeal and vigor that if if anyone implies they ought not to it's like it's like you literally rob their bank account like it's it's such value it's is very, placed very on important. these ashes yeah it's it's interesting and, and you have an up close seat as a deacon you know you're involved in the liturgy of that and then you know you get to spread ashes on the forehead not that you know they don't have lay ministers that do that but yeah. you know you're kind of involved in that but all right keep going well yeah, from my I guess from my vantage point, it, it speaks to the power of these signs and symbols that we use as a church, because it's a very simple symbol. Ashes of, of burnt palm branches from last year, from our from Palm Sunday of last year. We create ashes from that and put it as a symbol of our mortality on our heads, because we're all gonna be ashes one day. And to begin a seizing of fasting, which is an ancient symbol that you're fasting, you literally put ashes on your head. That's a Jewish thing and Christian thing. It's a really simple symbol. Right. But so powerful that, like, I've seen people do some weird stuff. Like what? Like what? Oh, my word. I mean, I think it's weird in general that we spread ashes on our head. Yeah. Right? That is weird. But, like, where does this all come from? And we do get fussed at for that, by the way, by non-Catholics. Like, like, that's really weird. Well, here's here's the... uh, the usual charge, I'm sure you've heard this, on Fat Tuesday you get drunk and gluttonous, and then you think that those ashes on your head the next day just makes up for all that. Right. And if we do think that, people are absolutely right, that we are ridiculous. It's like, if that is how we do it, where we will literally sin all day Tuesday, then show up on Wednesday and think ashes fix it, they're right. That is superstitious, idolatrous, and ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that point. 
that people would make. That Which makes sense. Hundred percent right. But we can't judge people. You know, you don't want to judge people because they're coming to get ashes and mm-hmm. yada yada. I almost don't want to get ashes just to make a point that I don't need ashes to repent. <laughs> you know, but like, and here's the thing. Here's another weird Catholic thing is that. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, is that Ash Wednesday is actually not a holy day. It's not required. Correct. Not not an obligation. It's not an obligation. But I almost mm. feel like almost guilty or like uh, shamed if I don't go get ashes. But yet there's a slew of people who are getting ashes who have no idea what the ashes mean. Correct. So I don't want to judge those people. And I don't, you know, look, I'm getting ashes. I'm just saying like <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a holy day of obligation. Right. Right? Right. It is, it is a... I mean, it's more of a spiritual tradition and entry point into Lent, but well, it's not an, yeah. an I mean, obligation. Like most, um, let's say, non-essential symbols in the liturgy, especially ones that are yearly. Like we had one of those recently with uh, February 2nd, known as Candlemas, but it's it's the year every day every year where we bless candles. Right. That just became a tradition. You don't have to bless candles that day. You can. There's a special blessing to do that. But if you don't, it's not like you're not Catholic or you're, you're missing. Now, it's there's a reason Candlemas is there. There's grace, and we should do these traditional things. But Ashes on Ash Wednesday is similar. It's not, it's not essential to the liturgy or the gospel, but it is helpful, and there is a blessing to it. They're blessed ashes. Blessed ashes. And you get some grace to help you on your Lenten journey. So it's, that, that's why we do it. That's true. But the Eucharist has more grace. Yes. <laughs> Right, so you go to yeah. Mass and then receive ashes, right? Yeah. Okay, so... That's a good point. You should be at Mass to receive ashes. And this is this is one of the weird things Catholics and non-Catholics will do, is they'll show up at all times of the day and night during that 24-hour period, knock on the rectory door or the parish office... To get and ashes. ask for ashes. Yeah, so the here's the, you know, the weird Catholic stuff is not weird, is, is true, is that there's more grace in the Eucharist than in the ashes, just FYI. <laughs> okay, question. Mm. Yay or nay? I know you know the answer. What's required on Ash Wednesday? Required. Mm-hmm. Ashes or fasting? Ah, there you go. Which? Fasting. Fasting. Ashes are not required on Ash Wednesday, mm-hmm. right? But fasting actually is. Mm-hmm. It's a requirement on Ash Wednesday for a Catholic, right? Yep. Which is nothing in between meals, only one meal and two small meals, right? Yeah. And no meat, so it, right. so it is a it is a real day of fasting, fasting right? and abstinence. So so what's required is not ashes, although that's good and there's grace. There's more grace in the Eucharist, way more because it's Jesus Himself. But what's required of us in Lent is not ashes; it's prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Right. That's required of us. Right. That's saying that I, in my discipleship walk with Christ, I am committing over Lent to prayer. A rhythm of prayer, right? Fasting, not just fasting on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, right? And those fr- are the days it's required. Those are the days required. But, but I'm thinking of how more days. I'm fasting. Yeah. And then almsgiving, which most people, <clears throat> you know, don't think. Yeah, we, you know, if you're tithing or whatever, but maybe you make a sacrificial gift to, you know, ministry or the poor or whatever. Like thinking about those things, like those are the three things we look through the lenses of when we say, "How do I want to approach Lent?" So we say, well, "How am I going to approach Lent with prayer?" And I'm going to amp it up. I'm not doing the mm. minimum. Fasting. How am I going to amp that up? Right. Like 
like make it hard, right? Mm-hmm. Because Lent is doesn't ask us to do easy things. I don't like Lent. It's hard. And then almsgiving. Th- that's the lens that we look through. Like in, in the past, like the church kind of has gotten away from that. I'm talking about like 20, 30 years. Not that it, it was never a part of the teaching, the you're right. Mm-hmm. It just didn't emphasize it. Right. And I think it's getting back to like, oh, this has always been. And so let's emphasize and refocus on this. Yeah. Well, and sometimes that's done very intentionally by the hierarchy. Like I could think of several dioceses because they can do this. I'm not judging anyone that doesn't. But point being, there are some things that we think we just don't do anymore that we're actually supposed to do, like fasting. And so some bishops will reimpose obligatory fasting uh, throughout the year on things like Ember Days or whatever to re-encourage this habit of fasting that we've definitely lost as a people. We we lost it. And um, yeah, so on Ash Wednesday, you're right, no meat, no, uh, you should fast. If you're between the age of 14, and I forget the, the top age, it's like 70-something, and you're medically fit, you have to fast. You have to not eat <laughs> except one meal and then maybe two snacks that don't add up to a meal. And uh, give alms. Now, ashes are a great example of, you know, we're in this Eucharistic revival period in the, in the country. Our U.S. bishops have set out a three-year period of, wow, we've lost faith in the Eucharist, so we need to revive that faith. Well, part of that is catechetical, like, we need to teach more about the Eucharist, for sure. But the way we've handed down our faith for 2,000 years is also, in, in kind of, not kind of, but definitely more powerfully, through the liturgy. Hmm. We do what we believe at liturgy, right? And so, anytime we disconnect a liturgical sign from its meaning, we will risk all of us losing our faith, and ashes are one of those. So, the source and summit, the Eucharist is the source and summit. Ashes only make sense as coming from the Eucharist and going back to the Eucharist. And if we disconnect that, then ashes literally make no sense. And yet that is a lot of people's experience on Ash Wednesday is, is something disconnected from the Eucharist. Like you were just bringing that up. Right. All the grace flows from the Eucharist. How are, that, how are these ashes flowing from that? And all the grace goes back to the Eucharist. How are these ashes going back? If I can't answer that in like with some clarity, then right now I need to get on that and I need to look into this and I need to pray about it and I need to ask the Lord how ashes make sense so that when I get them on Wednesday, they actually mean something. Yeah. Yeah. What do they mean? What do they mean? What do they mean? <laughs> what do they mean? Well, we talked last segment about uh, this death and resurrection thing. Like yeah. That's what it should mean, that the Eucharist is in my life to kill me. Hmm. What did St. Paul say? I have been crucified with Christ. Hmm. Hmm. Like Jesus is in my life to and kill yet, me. <laughs> and yet I I live, no longer me, but Christ there it is. in me. So I could live a new life in him. Right. That's what the ashes symbolize. That's yeah. flowing from the Eucharist, that death and resurrection experience. Man, Deacon Bear's preaching And going today. back to it. Deacon Bear's fired up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I do believe this stuff. I well, know you do too. Well, of course. Yeah, I mean... It, you know, and then you know the 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 merge of like believing it and living it, mm. you know, are two different things. Yeah, the, I mean, they shouldn't be two different things, but that's where the, the tension points, you know, live mm-hmm. is believing something and then living it out, and then what are the blocks in between those, right? So yeah, I believe in Lent and and I want to do it, 
but I have all these internal blocks that are keeping me from entering in fully, right? And what are those? Yeah. And we talk about removing those, put those to death. Like, you know, like I would love to skip over Lent. Why? Because I, my nature is to want to do easy things. Yeah. My, my nature is to want to be apathetic and lazy and mediocre. Uh, but like God's grace moves us to do hard things. And actually, you know, what I have found uh, with, you know, writing the book, studying these saints, and then doing the great group with guys is that like, I feel better. I feel healthier. I feel like I think clearer. I feel obviously spiritually more motivated when I do hard things. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like when I'm more, you know, disciplined spiritually and focused and I, and I approach hard things like denying myself, fasting, you know, physically doing things, mentally attacking areas that I've ignored when, and, and they're hard. I, I have, I have just found that I'm like much better off. Like I, I just feel, yeah, clear, right? Like, yeah. <clears throat> well, it, it, it would seem that there's two types of hard things. We're going to do hard things. There's two types. One is the healthy hard thing where we actually deal with what needs to be dealt with in a healthy way. And the other is cleaning up the mess of not dealing with that. Right. <laughs> that's really hard too. And that's where life feels burdened. Life feels heavy or I feel confused, lack of focus. Like I'm not having traction with my relationship with God or my spouse or my children or my coworkers. That, that life is hard too, but it's hard because I'm just living in the mess that I'm not willing to fix or allow the Lord to fix. And that is rough. But when we do the hard, hard, healthy thing, like you said, there is such clarity and focus because we are actually growing as people in our relationship with God and each other. And that's what we want to be. That's, that invigorates us, right? That gives us life. That gives us clarity. We don't want to be constantly cleaning up the mess of dysfunction. None of us want to live that way. Right. That's misery. Hmm. That's hell, literally. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Paying too much for healthcare and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of healthcare. Join the nation's leading healthcare sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable healthcare. Call now to see how much you can save at 844-387-8533. That's Solidarity HealthShare, 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Paul George, Deacon Bear in studio. That's traditional pre-Lenten music right there. Mardi Gras. Kind of sounds... It does kind of. New Orleans, Mardi Gras-ish. Got that bass going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, we're all about Mardi Gras down here. And yeah. we do celebrate it. You know, I guess I'm just speaking from experience where, like, I have... Perso- I'm personally admitting that I have stumbled into Lent. Mm-hmm. Not Ta- thinking here. about it. And then, like, I'm a week in, 
to Lent, and I'm like, oh, wow, mm-hmm. it's Lent. And I got my ashes, and I did all the ceremonial, like, yada, yada, and didn't focus. And and Lent just wasn't productive for me. In a sense, like, Lent isn't about productivity. It's about spiritual growth. So I, But I just felt like, I, I don't know if I even, like, grew during Lent. So I've had Lents like that. I've lived oh, yeah. long enough to have some Lents that, that uh, I, I just didn't enter in well. So for me, like, I've already decided what I'm doing for prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I have a prayer book and a resource. We're doing, I'm doing two great groups during Lent. Um, <clears throat> and then, you know, I've already, you know, kind of decided the things that I'm going to do discipline wise. So I just feel more focused, you know, I'm going to yeah. do hard things for Lent and, the, and then I know those hard things I'm not going to want to do, but they're going to make me better. Yeah. That's ultimately kind of where I'm at. That's awesome. Well, I think you're ready to Mardi Gras then because, you know, Mardi Gras is not the resurrection before the cross. Like, that's not the point of Mardi Gras. I would say it's more like, remember when our Lord called the disciples or the apostles originally mm-hmm. and, like, met them at the, uh, in the boat or on the shore and said, leave all this behind and come follow me? Um, that probably seemed like a really weighty, risky thing to do for the apostles at the moment. There was probably also a certain joy in it too. Because, I mean, it's exciting, right? Like right. the Lord's calling me and I'm, I'm making a big decision about life. I'm ready to move and grow and, and follow the Lord more closely. And there's a certain joy that happens in it. And then like, you know, a couple of days later when it's really hard, they're like, man, this is tough. But that, that initial joy of like, I'm doing something important and moving in a good direction. To me, that's Mardi Gras. Where like, you've, you've made your mind up about Lent. I know he's calling me to do certain things, and it's going to be tough, going to be risky, but I'm doing it. And that joy of like getting ready to go on that journey, of that initial yes, um, that should be Mardi Gras, or we're celebrating that. Hmm. Yep. You can get the book, Holy Grit, for Lent. You could. You know, pray with a saint each week or whatever, but there's a lot of things you can do. Um, there's a lot of good resources and prayer things. You know, here here's the thing. Like, if you're if you're Catholic, you're entering to Lent. There's no excuses because we have so much at, at our oh, at we? our fingertips, podcast and prayer resources, and you're not kidding, rosaries and mm-hmm. adoration chapels and mass. Like, you know, we have all those things. It really isn't about the things. It is really comes down to me doing them, right. Like, mm-hmm. and, the, and we talked about that. Like, like. Um, knowing what I should do and doing it, right? That's where the tension lies. Really, is that simple? Yeah, you know, and and I'm talking to some guys right now. I do a lot of one on one. For some of these guys, like their Lent is like doing some hard things in their marriage, and I know that sounds weird, but like it's having hard conversations. It's loving their wives mm-hmm. where they have not done well. It's dying to their selfishness where they have made things about them, you know? So like sometimes Lent is like entering into some dealing with some emotional baggage. I mean, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So. And it's, it's worth it. And, um, you know, one thing about the, uh, your book, Holy Grit, reading through the lives of these saints is you realize that their holiness wasn't a, obtained attained attained 
because of some kind of special vocation, right? Like Padre Pio even, he had a special vocation to levitate, to raise from the dead, to bilocate, to have a stigmata, uh, to be a priest and a religious. Like that's all special vocation stuff, right? But that's not really what made them holy. What actually made them holy was he lived his vocation to be a man really well. Hmm. Like he, he just let himself do that. And all the other stuff came with it. But he was called, is called, to be a man. And he let himself be very generous with his manhood. And that led to everything else. And in, um, in our life, if you're called to be a husband, that's where you're lent. You know, if, if you can live it more generously during Lent, definitely start there. Well, you can't look. Here's the deal. This is the emergent of all. You can't like do these fasts for Lent and not love your wife or your husband, right? Like your vocation. Like if you you see what I'm saying, like yeah. And I meet these people who have the, these spiritual lives, but they're separate. The spiritual foundation, but they're separate. Or are they, you know? And then they're not working on other areas of their life, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I, you know, we weren't necessarily planning on getting on this topic, but like we did talk about like the emergence of like what I know and what I should do. Like Mm -hmm. the reality is like Lent has to be lived at home. Like you have to like love the people and do the hard things in your home. And maybe that's what God's asking you to do for Lent. Like how can I be intentional with my children, whatever age they may be? Cause maybe I've been on edge with them or like, you know, like uh, impatient with them or not intentional about pursuing them. Maybe it's with my spouse. Maybe I haven't loved my spouse. Well, husband or wife, I've distanced myself emotionally from them because I've been hurt, mm-hmm. right? And and then yet, I'm going to do all these Lenten things, and yet I'm not even going to love my spouse the way God wants me to. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. That's like getting ashes and not caring about Mass. It, it is exactly <laughs> it. And, like, I am speaking out of, like, if you read my book, I am very honest and authentic mm-hmm. about some real hurdles that I've that I journeyed through, right, mm-hmm. uh, and healed through in my life, uh, <clears throat> because I think it is extremely important for our spiritual health to to do the hard things emotionally as well, to deal with those things. And so, like you know, like you can't be like scrubbing ashes on your head, and you you go home and you're just distant from your spouse. Like, come on, like we have got to like emerge this. <laughs> and I know, like I'm maybe speaking hard, like I'm not sensitive. I am. I'm speaking from this place of like. This is where God wants you to thrive. That's where holiness is. That's where holiness is. You know, like, right? Yeah. And look, I've been guilty of this many times, so this is not something I'm not saying is not true about me. But it's very easy to keep holiness or spiritual things or whatever distant from what God has actually asked me to do. Mm -hmm. So I could have hours of conversation about theology, philosophy, what's wrong with the world, what's right with the world, what the church should do, what that bishop should do, or this priest, or this deacon, whatever. Like, I could spend hours doing that, and then when I'm done, I say, wow, that was really helpful. You know, that was, that was, that was a great spiritual conversation. But that conversation is only really fruitful if it's based on me actually living my vocation well to begin with. And if I'm not, like, if, if there's tension with me and my spouse, if if I'm not praying with God, which my first vocation is holiness to, in prayer, mm-hmm. I'm not doing that. I'm not loving my wife well, my God well, my children well. Um, that's where my attention should be. 
is to get that right. And the Lord, that's where his attention is. He's looking at me with that focus. And uh, it is a distraction to be busy about many spiritual things other than living my vocation well. It's a huge distraction. Huge. Huge distraction. But I raised my hand first on that one, right? Like, I'm not saying... I love, I love a good theological discussion just like the next guy. Yeah. And look, the same as this. Look, if you're going to Matt, look, life's hard, you guys. Like, but, okay, you go to Mass, and maybe there's tension at home. There's hard things at home. Okay, we receive Jesus in the Eucharist, and, and, and we're sent out into the world, right? That's mm-hmm. what Mass means, right? To be yeah. sent, okay? To sent to live in our vocation first, right? So, like, when you when you are at Mass, pray for the grace to love your spouse like Jesus mm-hmm. and your kids. That's hard. It is much easier to love the people at work sometimes. Oh, totally. To have fun with the guys or the girls, right? Totally. And to, right, like, you know, and I, I remember, you know, Gretchen saying, you know, like, I, I feel like you laugh more when you're around your friends and not as much... <laughs> with me wow okay and talk about a punch in the face yeah right like back in the day like i had to look at that and be like you know what like maybe i am more stressed at home and it's not about her but it's about what i'm carrying in you know and let me look at that so that i can try to be more joyful at home and more present and laugh more with her right yeah right like and that's how i become a saint that's the whole point of this conversation. Is like that's where holiness is. It, that it, journey, because it's hard. That's yeah. the hard place. You know, I'd much rather like blame my spouse for all the things in my life and my mm-hmm. family, and like, but yet I'll leave home and like everything's great. Like, no, we, we're we we want to like merge all this. You know, this is why I wrote a chapter on Saint Louis Martin. Mm-hmm. He was married to uh, Saint Zelie, and uh, just seeing their their marital life. So they're of the 10 saints in the book that uh, talk about their life and their holy and gritty, four of them were married. And I thought that that was an important part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe five. Um, because it, it's important for people to look at saints who are married. Okay. Uh, St. Thomas More was married. St. Louis Martin, St. Peter, um, St. Augustine lived with a woman and then, you know, never got married, had a son, you know, and talk about that. Um, <clears throat> so, like, the importance of, like, seeing men who were in relationships and, like, did holy things and yet became gritty and holy and saints at the same time, you know? Yeah. Um, were important for me to highlight in the, in that book, you know? Yeah. And when we get into the faith and into the church and we hear things like new evangelization, missionary discipleship, uh, spreading the kingdom... And we get fired up about it, especially as men. We should be fired up about that. We should be thinking about that. But our first mission field is our wife's heart. I mean, this is why St. Paul says about, uh, in, in his letter to Timothy. And to women, your husband's heart. Right. He says to, in the letter to Timothy that bishops are, because, are, you know, married clergy back then, but they sh- they sh- their household should be in order first if you're going to consider them for ordained ministry. But what is that ordering? It's not. He, he didn't mean like a military ordering, like everything's in its place, that it's proper, you know, everything's tucked away. St. Paul, same St. Paul who wrote in 1 Corinthians 13, he's talking about the ordering of love. 
right? If I do all these great things, but don't have love, it's nothing. I'm a gong. I'm, it's a clashing symbol. And that first mission field is our spouse's heart, where I could do all kinds of thing, great things for Jesus, but if I don't have love for my spouse the way Christ loves his spouse, I'm just a bunch of noise. Gong. Yeah. Isn't that the word he uses? Yeah. Clinging symbol. A gong. Yeah, no, I mean, and look, this is what causes me constantly to look in the mirror, and I think mm-hmm. that's okay. Like, I need, I, need, exactly. I need to do that. You know, I need to do that. And that's the importance of it. So this Lent, like, ask the Lord, like, what, what does he want you to do? You know, not only, like, within the context of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, but that prayer, fasting, and almsgiving should be leading you to deal with growth, right? Mm-hmm. Dying to self and growing to new life. And if we're married, that question is so fruitful with your spouse. Absolutely. What yeah, are, 100%. What do you see, or, or how can I help you grow this mm. Lent? Like, if we're married, like, I, I, have, I have a weird life because I have kind of two vocations in the church. Mm-hmm. But I know which one the Lord gave me for the most personal growth. Like, right. for me to become holiest, yeah. it's my marriage. Yeah, of course. Like, I will be a saint that way. Now, serving God's people, sure, I can become mm-hmm. a saint. There are deacons who are not married who become a saint that way for sure. But because I'm married, I know how fundamental and challenging and hard uh, the growth is from marriage. And that, that has to be my focus. Right. This, I have to start there in Lent, you know? So if you're married, you got to start there. Yeah. Well, have a great Lent, guys. We'll talk to you in Lent. Actually, it'd be fun. We'll do a whole Lenten series or something like that. A whole Lenten series. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> feel Get free that. to um, start getting the book, spread the word, holygrit.org. Of course, you can order the book on Amazon, too, if that's easier for you. Uh, but whatever the case may be, thanks for being a part of the show. Um, Paul and Deacon Bear love being with you. <laughs> and uh, we'll be back next week. God bless you.